Hello, my beautiful pod babies. Welcome to Own Goal Podcast. The date of recording is March 1st, 2021, and we are having seismic events in the landscape going on right now. For the first time in 11 years, we will have the Own Goal Derby. But first... To the byline. It's in, it's an own goal! It's a gift! Oh, it's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Got no chip to it in the keeper. Astonishing position to get before he gets in. As Eric Gates has so eloquently alluded to, for the first time in a long time, and, de- and as I, and you know, for the first time since the inception of this podcast, Manchester United and AC Milan will play in a competitive game, and you know, two they'll play in two competitive games. They will, they will play in two competitive games as they have met, of course, of course, in the round of sixteen of the Europa League. You know, I am pumped, and the part I can't wait for. It's for Eric to point out all the things that should have been penalties that Milan didn't get. <laughs> in my defense, in my defense, uh, this last Milan game, I, I did admit that we should have been called for a penalty and they should have been called for one and they, they, they swapped out. As long as, long as, it's, as, long as it evens out, I'll, I'll, I'll fess up to it. I think if you are a... Listener of this show, what you have to hope for is that it comes down to the second leg. You can't like you can't yeah. hope for a blowout either way. And you, and I think a neutral non-party has to vote root for some sort of just controversy. Like one team wins, but the win is so smeared and tarnished by like some <laughs> bullshit VAR decision, which I'm sure Manu will get. It's just that's just how that goes. But I, you just you just this is just the perfect storm in the making for this podcast and. I think the episodes after the games are going to just be incredible. So, can I tell you what's going to happen, just just to spite both of us? Yeah. Taylor Hernandez will at least score one goal. At least. Yeah, I see that. Probably assist another goal. He's just going to consistently turn the knife in your back, Donnie. I love that guy. Definitely my favorite Milan player, right? Yep, and my favorite United player, Rashford, is going to just go fucking ham on Milan. For sure, and I don't know, I don't know who's going to win, but the winning team will score a penalty, (laughs) or they will either score a penalty or they will have a penalty call taken away by VAR. And can I add one more thing? Yes, I have more, but yes, the winning team will one hundred percent win on away goals because it's a rule. It's a rule you and I both despise. And it's like, winning on away goals, you don't feel good about it. And the only thing worse than winning on away goals is losing on away goals. Because then you really appreciate the bullshit of away goals. I think that there's there's just a perfect storm of things to, that are going to happen. There, there's, no, there's no way in my mind that away goals do not come into, a, into play. Like I, have, I, would put, I would put my entire life savings on a prop bet of away goals come into play. Away goals determine this tie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and interesting that, so, 
on news on the game, it looks like Zlatan will definitely be out the first leg on March 11th, but there's a possibility he could be there March uh, 18th for the second leg at the San Siro, and there would just be nothing more fitting than Zlatan getting the winning, a former Man U player getting the winning goal uh, against United. That would just be something. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible and, and, and in play. He's in a bit of a slump right now. Uh, also, you know, as you said, picked up picked up that I think it's an abductor uh, issue. He's also about to spend like five days at a music festival somewhere. So, like, I don't know if that's that's probably not going to help him quicken his recovery time, right? I don't think you've got the same amount of like re- recovery and rehab equipment at music festivals. And like, he did not he did not help Milan. And, uh, we'll talk. I'll talk about it when we get to Syria. But he he was not like adding to the team performance against Roma. He was definitely a, a detractor, in my opinion. And, and a lot of the bullshit he's been doing, and, you know, saying about like LeBron James and stuff. I'm 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 in a I'm in a less than positive view of Zlatan right now. And I honestly, against uh, Lindelof and Maguire, think I'd rather put Leao up front with his speed instead of Zlatan and his size and his uh, lack of speed. Yeah, I, I definitely think that the concern for me as a United fan is that speed kills and United center backs are so, so slow that it's a matchup nightmare. On top of that, you have Theo Hernandez running up on the overlap, which makes things complicated because United's wingers, we don't really track back. Well, and that's actually where I, where I think, you know, a couple things would be interesting, right? I think it's, it'd be Teo matched up with Juan Basaka, right? Like that's right. the, so, I mean, that's, Juan Basaka can defend, you know, that, that I think that is. That's is all he evident. can do. And, and Teo can attack. What's interesting is Teo doesn't always make overlapping runs to the outside. He oftentimes will make runs up the middle of the field. So he could be just as often matched up against Juan Basaka as he could against Lindelof or Maguire covering, where Teo's speed and ability to cut could actually cause some problems. And then Rebic, if he's healthy, over. So, that, I mean, there's, there's, there's. I think there are chances for both teams on the attack. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Donnarumma. I'm a fan of Calabria, Taylor Hernandez, Kier. Um, you know, Tamori played really well if, if Romanoli is not, not going. But, I mean, Brindo Fernandez and Rashford, I'm always terrified of. Uh, is Agba expected back for... I would say no. If Pogba's back and Benacer is back, it would be the best of both worlds, right? Both teams playing like you know their top players, but I think we're going to have Pogba out and we're going to have Benacer out. So I think the difference could really be does Tonali outperform Fred? And honestly, there are day- games where Tonali does I think outperform Fred, and there are days where Tonali is worse than Fred. And that's going to be the, <laughs> that. But that Fred, that latter statement is just difficult for me to conceptualize. Donnie, Donnie, Fred is always Fred. That's something that you can count on. Fred is consistent. Yeah. Fred is consistent. He is consistently he's Fred. consistently Fred. And sometimes Tenali is better than Fred, and sometimes Tenali is worse than Fred. But Tenali's never at Fred level. He's not cons- <laughs> much more inconsistent, Tenali. So yes. okay, 
there are nine players who have played a senior game for United and Milan. I could only name six of them. How many can you name? I don't think I can name... Okay, obviously, we got Beckham. Yep. We've got everybody's favorite, Diogo Dallo. Yep. <laughs> Currently on loan at, at Milan, and uh, he's been playing all of the... Europa League games, but he was atrocious in our our draw to Red Star Belgrade. Which he was us very ad- bad. Which saw us advance on on away goals. <laughs> That's two. That is two. No, you're gonna kick yourself on two of them. I mean, I'm sure you're gonna do that on a lot of them. But two of them definitely. Well, maybe just really one. I thought Sir Alex didn't like Italian players. He, he doesn't. Right? Okay, so they're not from the Most of these people, for somehow, avoid playing for United from 1993 <laughs> to 2016. Okay. I mean, honestly, I got, I got two. Okay. Zlatan. Oh fuck yeah! yeah. <laughs> that was one. I told you. No, I told you. I'm I'm, I'm souring on Zlatan right now. He's out of my yeah. mind. Uh, Matteo Darmian. Okay. Uh, Massimo Taibbi, the Italian goalie. Jasper Blomquist. Oh, yeah. Every, everybody's favorite. <laughs> Jasper Blomquist, Joe Jordan, Jap Stam, and Ray Wilkins. I didn't get Joe Jordan, Jasper Blomquist, and I think I forgot Ray Wilkins, too. That's fair. So, just an interesting, uh, interesting little overlap there. Well, you know... Speaking of clubs that have fallen off recently, I don't even know where to begin with this story coming out of Spain with Barcelona. Uh, Eric, why don't you tell us what happened? So, for for our dear listeners, you know, Joseph Bartomeu, I just put a lot of ills at the end because this guy kind of sucks. Really bad. I think... Most people who may not have known that he was president of Barcelona a few years ago probably remember him from the Messi saga, you know, at least last year, where Messi wanted to leave, Barcelona would not let him leave, and it basically became Messi against the Barcelona president, Josep Bartomeu. He's no longer the president. He, I think, stepped down or was forced to resign, and now they are going through a Yeah, I think he he stepped down before a straight-up Emperor Palpatine move, vote of no confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't under- until, I'm embarrassed to say, relatively recently, I thought votes of no confidence was just a made-up thing in Star Wars. <laughs> I didn't know that was something you could do. And also, what sort of social application does it have? Like, if somebody you don't like comes to a party, can you call, like, like you know, Joe Blow walks in, I'd like to call a vote of no confidence to exile Joe Blow. Wait, so this is why you've wanted to expand the Own Goal podcast uh, employee base to three, so you can vote of no confidence me and get me out of here. So, they, uh, Joseph Bartomeu and a couple people from like his staff when he was president of Barcelona have been arrested, and apparently there is like evidence backing claims that he hired a third party firm to publicly discredit players and staff, including Donnie. This list of people that he tried to smear so is a player and his staff who were I guess like opposed to his message, and including former players and staff, including Pep Guardiola. <laughs> 
Gerard Piquet and Barcelona's best ever player, Leo Messi. I mean, I know we can we can pick and choose a few other people who are like you know just as popular, but. If I ask for you know name the, the the five or ten most popular people in Bar- you know in Barcelona fans, these three people are being named eighty percent of the time, right? Yeah, and PK is kind of a Venn diagram of lists because he also falls on the Shakira list as well. Shakira, yeah, yeah. And honestly, if if Shakira, if, if someone's good with Shakira, they're good with me. Yeah, and so he was. Uh, I, the, I believe the Financial Crimes Unit was investigating this, so we're talking potential. Fraud, money laundering, tax evasion, any sort of reporting irregularity. And just the idea that he hired people, he hired a firm, a PR firm, to put out disinformation to discredit. Some of these people have such a huge association with Barcelona. That is just, that is just a mind-blowing story. What do you, and I think it broke today, didn't it? Yeah, I saw it this morning, so I don't know. I saw if it when you sent it to me this morning. Maybe it, it probably broke overnight when it was, like, morning in Europe or whatever. No, but... yeah, it probably broke at 3 in the morning. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be an I, interesting I, trial. We know it's financial crimes. My assumption is it's embezzlement, right? Like, I'm assuming used Barcelona funds to pay for this, which is not – which is a personal, like, benefit and not proper not, not proper uses of company money. Yes, embezzlement, and I also think tax implications implications can come into play if they call it something else too. And then when they mm. when they report it on for tax type stuff, um, it seems like a lot, a lot of people get in trouble with their taxes in Spain. Like everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I I'm also that, very curious about how like difficult it is to file your taxes in Spain. I, I it does seem like a lot of like athletes get in trouble for tax issues in Spain. And you know they're not this, filing their own taxes; like they're hiring no, someone to take care no. of it, and they don't know they don't know anything about what's going on. So I just I, well, I just wonder what's going well, on there. Unless they're hiring these people because these people build themselves as experts in in saving you a lot of money by getting you into different brackets and whatnot by cleverly reporting. But this seems different than that because yeah. they're specifically tying the the action of paying people to discredit with false information like that's yeah honestly i could spend an hour talking about this but i don't know anything so i would just be going over my fucking shock and surprise at how so interesting uh milan united playing for the first time in 10 years uh, to 11 years 10 years ago could you ever imagine barcelona being in this position where their like president from last year has a falling out and verbal like parting of the ways with their club icon and is now being arrested for this bullshit two things number one to answer your question first absolutely not 10 years ago 2011 they win that second champions league with that core group of messi xavi and iesta so no 10 years ago they were on top of the world they'd won two Champions Leagues in the last three years, they were, people were calling them, and fairly so, one one of the top club teams of all time. Beat Man United in both of those Champions League. That's neither here nor there, I suppose. Um, number two, I am actually pretty upset about this story, and here's why. This PR firm did not reach out to us in any capacity to contribute Dude. to the disenfranchising and the discrediting, not disenfranchising, they can still vote, <laughs> to, the dis, <laughs> to the discrediting of these players. And listen, I've always wanted to be a part of a pop propaganda or disinformation like campaign. Be a cabal. Just to try it. Just it's like a little. I just wanted to say that I tried it once, so I'm a little upset we weren't asked to be a part of this. Dude, well, and here's the thing: we we're, we're 
I mean, we, we have respect for how like smart of a guy soccer wise he is, but we've been on the tip of the spear on the Pep Guardiola is a bit of a fraud. But pretty I sure the it. words "bald fraud" have come out of our <laughs> mouths multiple times. But now, I'm, if we say that, people are going to think Joseph Bartomeu is paying us, which he's not. But here's the thing: Why didn't this firm just start ad sponsoring us and blasting us? Because we were we were saying this of our own volition. I mean, this is just stupid of them. And they guess what? They wouldn't have to pay us very much. <laughs> <laughs> like just just a little bit. So, yeah, that that's a little upsetting. So that's going to be an interesting one. To that, that'll be part of the own the own goal. Uh, legal correspondence team will uh, keep track of how that case goes. Um, Spanish law is weird, so I'm, that's all I know, is that Spanish <laughs> law is weird. Um, here's another interesting one. So Aston Villa was investigating how Jack Grealish's injury got leaked way ahead of the time they told everyone about him. They kept it close in the vest. And Eric, how did people uh, figure this out? So apparently friends of Jack Grealish's teammates – were alerted, you know, I think a few days before uh, the game when fantasy, uh, uh, you know, soccer, or as they would say, fantasy football rosters locked for that week. And they were warned, hey, if you have Jack in your lineup, don't play him because he's going to be out. And, you know, I'm just telling my friend, my friend's not going to tell anybody. Everybody tells everybody. And uh, it got well known that Jack Relish is going to be out. Uh, and I think I think Villa were trying to play it close to the vest so their opponents would not know, you know, would prep for them as if Jack was going to be in the lineup. But instead, they got a couple of days heads up and were able to prep accordingly. And I think that was uh, what's it? What's it? Moy- David Moyes' team, uh, West Ham, when they when they took down, you know, I think it was West Ham. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Or it may have been Leicester. I can't remember. It was either Leicester or West Ham, and they beat Grelish, or they beat Villa without Grelish. And now it sounds like Grelish is out for a couple of weeks, which means I have a couple of weeks where I don't watch Villa because that's really – if he plays, I watch. If he doesn't play, I don't watch. So he's like Chelsea for you with Pulisic, basically. But, like, honestly, right now, if they're playing at the same time, I'm watching Villa because I know Pulisic's definitely not playing, so I don't even have to, like, check. And we will get to that. Um Interesting. So I actually have an alternative facts uh, segment on the Villa League. I believe that John Terry, through his womanizing uh, <laughs> and philandering, actually just all he did was just tell the women he slept with in a two day period who he talked to, like like during pillow, you know, a little bit of pillow talk, and that's all he only told the people the women he slept with in a two day period. That turned out to be half of the female English population, and so then. You know, obviously the story broke out. So I think can this I, is actually a JT cover-up. Can I offer you my take on this? Yes. JT. I mean, we don't know how infatuated you are with him. Fair. How infatuated many people are with him, including yeah. many of the women of the, you know... United Kingdom? Island, island nation of England. Yes. But there's somebody in close proximity to John Terry who women are more infatuated with right now. Jack Relish. Jack Relish. And men, too. Men, too. I mean, I mean, I mean, oh, right? Yeah. That guy yeah. Is, oh, oh, yeah. So, I think, you know, John Terry's batting average may be taking a bit of a hit 
with the rise of Grealish. I mean, I'm sure he's doing fine. I'm sure. I'm sure he gets on base and he, you know, he, he's doing good. But I think I think he has one or two, you know, where he goes down swinging because they're waiting, you know, waiting outside the the locker room to chat up Jack. So I think he used this as like a, ladies, I see you're waiting, but he ain't coming. He's with the physio. He's he's out. He's at least a week, two weeks. No, no physical activity for him. So I bet you he picked up his 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 short term batting average on base percentage, you know, these last few weeks. But that led to some leaks. I want I want to add a twist to the story. <laughs> the thing about uh, uh, baseball is that it's is easier that to hit the ball if you got a bigger bat. <laughs> and while there's no doubt that Jack Grelish is way better looking than JT, there is also equally in my mind, without a doubt. That JT's got a bigger bat. JT's, cor- JT's got cork in his bat? He has got some cork as the bat, and let me tell you, those balls are juiced, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think that's a, this is a good time. Once we've started talking about John Terry's genitalia, it's usually the time to go to segments. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't done our segments in a, in, a, in a pot or two, so good good bring it back. You know, uh, I segment that. I think you're going to be just shocked by my coach of the week hey donnie why don't you hit me with your coach of the week my coach of the week is the chosen one himself david moyes (laughs) this is highlighting someone not just from the last week but from what he's accomplished all season for sure with weston so far i think i think that whoever succeeded sir alex ferguson was always going to fail I think it was. I, I think Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho. I I don't care who you name. Anyone could have gone immediately after Strzok. It was going to be a failure. You just yeah. the shadow is too large. What about the guys that were three people after Sir Alex Ferguson? Those guys have also <laughs> failed, as we saw with David Morris. <laughs> well, everyone's failing. That's neither here nor there, but you know that really hurt his career. He goes to Real Sociedad in La Liga, a Scotsman coaching in La Liga. That was always going to be a disaster. It's just not right. It's not right. But having this West Ham team in fourth, legitimately fighting for Europe, um, the brilliant loan signing of Messi Lingard has just been also like a nice shot of electricity. I mean, he lost. They've lost since we last potted, but a 2-1 game to City, that's a pretty respectable loss. They've beaten Tottenham. They've got a lot of wins. What David Moyes and this West Ham team are doing is really, really impressive. And West Ham are, you know, a historical club, in my opinion. And I, I'm glad to see them doing well. I think the Hammers deserve that. The Hammers fan base deserves that. And while I, what David Moyes was at United is everything I hate in this world, <laughs> he's not a bad guy. And I'm happy for him as a guy that he's having sense of. He doesn't deserve to rot in hell because I hate him a little bit. I think that's a, as mature of a response as, as could be hoped for. It, it has been really fun to watch, you know, especially the start of the year. When, you know, I was foaming at the mouth about Everton, uh, Southampton were doing really well. West Ham have West Ham have been right in the thick of it for top four the entire season and just kind of been humming along. Yeah, like I said, they lost two one to City, 
That's better than results than most people are getting against City. That's better than what's going to happen on Sunday in the Manchester Derby. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> and so it's 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 fun to see. You know, I'm sure this just means that yeah, at the end of the season, West Ham get rated like crazy, um, as what usually happens when a team surprises. Uh, but it's it's been a fun ride to watch, and I think uh, it's a fair cumulative effort to deserve this uh, Coach of the Week. And I'm very happy for our boy at um, West Ham, Aaron Cresswell. Never forget. Fucking love that guy. So. All right, Donald. Am I your Coach of the Week? No, but <laughs> getting messed up. My Coach of the Week is Don Carlo Ancelotti. Very close. So, if it was, you know, coach of the last two months, coach of the month, Don Carlos probably not getting in. Uh, but just looking at, like, this last week, I think a couple things have happened that really merit, you know, I think aplomb, applause, aplomb. I'm messing up my words here. I think aplomb is what you were looking for. Yes. But also show the kind of work that he's done with Everton, who, since Moyes left for uh, Manchester United, has really struggled to be anything more than flirting with Europa League or flirting with, like, 10th or 12th place. And we look at, what, they hadn't won at Anfield since, like, 2000 or before that or some some ridiculous number they hadn't won a liverpool derby derby in at liverpool in a long fucking time and to go there into what score within like the first five minutes and to then you know defend for another 70 minutes and then score uh the you know two nothing kind of security blanket goal and just a Really, really strong and solid performance across the board. You know, Pickford made saves, which for that guy to make saves without making a goal-giving error is wild. Uh, James had a great pass. I think Richarlison got a goal. It's just, it's just and then Gilfie put together a, a penalty. Just a really, really strong performance. Not something that they've seen against Liverpool, but Everton in the last you know five years have had strong performances against good teams. What they always do immediately after that is lose to mid-table or shitty teams. Right. So the win today, one nothing against Southampton, scoring again early, like within the first 10, 15 minutes, and then you know playing a nervy defensive game, holding down the fort to secure all three points against a slumping but talented Southampton team, I thought was really, really impressive and kind of shows that mental fortitude that Everton have been lacking really since Moyes left. And if you look at their position in the table, you know, they're one game they're they're have a game in hand, and if that game in hand's a win, they're in fourth place. I oh yeah, no, because they just put today. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I, they they up until today they had two games in hand, now they got one game in hand, and yeah, they're they're right there. It's it's interesting to see. You know, um I I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited, but it's it's been fun. Um All right. I don't want I don't want to do Hawkeye of the Week. Can we just skip it this week? No, I picked the Hawkeye. <laughs> All right, so we haven't really touched on it, but since the last time we potted, there was something, a little, little competition known as the Milan Derby, where AC Milan and Inter Milan you know, met for their twice-a-year competition, and it did not go well for uh, the boys in red. 
it did go well for the boys in blue and it very specifically in particular went well for the big rom in, in blue Romlu and Lukaku. Uh, a lot has been made of the kind of scuffle that he and Zlatan Ibrahimovic got into in the Copa Italia. Uh, you know, Ibra, Ibra is Ibra, tries to get into people's skin and was doing so. And Big Rom came back with a goal and a peach of an assist to Latoro Martinez to lead Inter to a 3 nothing drubbing of my beloved AC Milan and really wrangled control of the title chase securely in Inter's hands and out of Milan's hands. And, I mean, I loved Everton. He was at Everton. I'm, I, I've always been a fan, basically as a side effect of being friends with you, of United. He was at United. And so, of course, naturally, he had to go to fucking Inter Milan and... Um, He's he's had he's been great this season in all competitions. Well, except for the Champions League, where Inter really bombed out of like suckers. But in all other competitions, he's been really good. And he just scored uh, this past weekend, like I think in the first minute against Genoa, where Matteo Darmian and Alexis Sanchez also both scored. So everyone who scored in that game has played for Man United. So that's fun. That's always fun. Hey, at least Ashley Young didn't score. Yeah, I don't know. I think of all of them, I might like Ashley Young the best. <laughs> uh, my hot guy of the week, I mean, I think there was a, we just saw a pivotal moment in the Champions League last week, or the week before, I think it was, whatever, last couple of weeks, when you don't see Messi and Ronaldo perform as well as we've, they've raised the expectation of performance so high. I mean, they've raised the standard of what a soccer player can do to an almost impossible ability. But you see, in, the, in a big moment, Kylian Mbappe have a hat trick. And it's almost like, and even though, you know, it was against Messi and Ronaldo wasn't in that game, but seeing his Juve lose to Porto and kind of seeing Mbappe just, like, take Messi's temple and just, like, just put his balls just right on top on the altar, basically. It was almost like a... We were seeing a passing of the torch of the next generation. I mean, or, you, or a taking of the torch. T- yeah, right? just an absolute like taking of the torch, taking of the life, um, whatever you want to say there. But I think Mbappe, you and I have been pretty high on him for the last few years. I think everyone's been high on him for the last three years, and I think he, he's he's really coming into his own. Uh, a couple games later, he had a brace in the league, so it's just um, you know that hat trick was incredible. Great performance by PSG. Uh, can't wait for Mbappe to leave PSG. But that being said, Mbappe definitely hot guy of the week. For me. Yeah, I, I, that's a, a great pick. All right. Well, I guess it's time to do that thing where we talk about the leagues. Woo! <laughs> uh, well, the the Premier League. All right. Well. City are going to win, and when they beat United and open up a 15-point lead at the top on Sunday with the Manchester Derby, it's going to be definitely over. Any chance of it not being definitely over would require United to beat Manchester City, which won't happen. There's just, there is zero chance that it'll happen. I'm telling you, put the 401k on a Man City win. Yeah, um... You don't actually get to sell me on this. I I watched all ninety minutes of 
whatever the fuck that was against Chelsea. And I'm sure you'll have you have feelings that you want to share when we get there. Um, but all I'd say is, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if United beat Chelsea or beat City because like you have you have to actually try to score, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that's not really the title race. Man City's already won. That's not really a point of conversation. What is a point of conversation is the log jam for the top four. To the point where I don't, like, we were able to eliminate Arsenal last episode, but I don't know, I think it might be a little too soon to eliminate someone. Yeah. You did guarantee you'd have another elimination. Oh, and and I'll I'll deliver it. So, you know, you got United and Villa, to, to Villa, all within 11 points of each other, with Villa having two games in hand. But, like I said, I did say that there was a team that I was going to eliminate from finishing in the top four. And looking at the table, I have found my team. Who is it? It's Manchester United. (laughs) Of their next six games, three of them include Manchester City, West Ham, and Tottenham. Okay. Okay. Tottenham with a game in hand, let's say they win that game, is eight points behind. Tottenham beats United, now they're only five points behind United. West Ham is not going to be a... You know what? United's going to lose to West Ham. They have a former United manager. I mean, that's written in stone. Tottenham dismantled United earlier. And have a and have a former United manager. And have a former United manager. So, yeah, things don't look so good for Manchester United. They're not playing great. I do not see them finishing in the top four. So I think there's a difference from I do not see them finishing in the top four and I am eliminating this team from contention for the top four. I feel like this is... Okay, do you want me to tell you the team that I'm eliminating from contention? Yes! Okay, it's going to be Tottenham. It's Tottenham, okay. That, that, it's that's for sure Tottenham. Their performances have been, even though they have the game in hand, their performances are way too inconsistent. Erratic. Exactly. They they could just as easily go out and beat United and then lose to fucking Crystal Palace. That's so. That's what's going to happen. Bale is going to score the winner against United. Thank you. It, it's it's for sure happening. As long as Son doesn't score but only gets assists and Harry Kane scores, then I'm happy. Oh, Donald, I'm so sorry, but it's going to be a Harry Kane assist to Bale. The two players of Tottenham that that United have been most rumored and linked with over the last, like, decade. Kane assist to Bale. My boy Kane gets the assist. Bale gets the goal. Uh, just to kind of screw the knife in a little bit more. And then, but then they will, they will then lose to, like, a, you know, bottom five team. And then they'll draw to, like, a bottom ten team. And they'll be done. Yeah, I think I'm eliminating Tottenham from contention. Uh, sorry, Matt. We love you, but this dude, is... dude, it's just it's just it's your time. It's just, yeah, <laughs> go peacefully into the wind. Um, I mean, the, the big the big like caveat here is can Villa stay afloat in Grealish's absence? Well, that's the thing. I think the beauty of that is that next episode we'll, we'll kind of have an answer to that, and then we can yeah. we can decide yeah. if we're eliminating Villa, if maybe we're actually eliminating United, probably. 
Uh, but you know what? I kind of, you know, we've touched on some of these teams here there a little bit. I want to kind of talk about Chelsea for a little bit. Yeah, please. You know you know, I want to. Because I, I don't want to talk about how shitty Manchester United are. It's just, just going to mean I'm going to go into bed and just cry <laughs> myself to sleep. I'd rather not for one night. I'd like to talk about Chelsea and the the conundrum that is Mr. Tuchel. So let's just set the stage with Chelsea were in a pretty bad slump of results. They fired Frank Lampard. They hired Thomas Tuchel. And they have only dropped four points, uh, one loss and one draw since Tuchel's appointment. Five points. A draw is losing, dropping two points. They dropped, or they, it was, I, I've no, they haven't lost yet. They dropped the two draws. There we go. They have, they have not lost. They, they've had two draws, which is dropping two points each. Four points dropped since Tuchel appointment. You, I think we all know that you are not big on Tuchel. You mentioned it even before he moved to Chelsea and perpetually just bench Pulisic. When he, when he moved to PSG, I believe I, I at that point, like years ago, was calling that like, what? Yeah, you basically kind of think he's the little dog shit. Yeah. Can I just can I just let's call a spade a spade here, my friend? That's fair. He he is not. He doesn't have the charisma. He doesn't have the charisma. But his career. A little bit, a little bit so far reminds me of an early career of a Jur- Mr. Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, who went to a Champions League final and lost to Bayern Munich, just like Thomas Tuchel just did last year. And in that, I I think that Tuchel understands also, the game. Tuchel Tuchel was Klopp's replacement at, at Dortmund. Yes, he was. I think Tuchel understands the game of soccer well. I think it wasn't a fluke that he got PSG further than they've ever been in the Champions League. I think that he is a good manager. And a good manager can, you know, they do well. They win some trophies. They do what they're expected to do. I don't know if he's... a anything better than a good, a, a good, he's a solid soccer coach. If, if you are not a, like, if you are not, you know, one of the top five Champions League contenders, you, you can be, you know, you got a solid manager. He'll, well, he'll do what he's expected to do. I think whether he can do beyond that, I don't know yet. I, I'm not ready to say he's dog shit. I think he's, you know, I think he's solid. I think he can do a job. I think you know, I think you get a little bit of a bump when you get a new manager. I always feel like you kind of get good results. But I know he is very – he wants his team to play a certain tactical way, and it can be very demanding on the players. I think that's why he's had falling outs with a lot of teams in the past. I mean, PSG, like, hated – the players hated him when he left. He's, he's also unfl- unflinchingly rigid. He – to put a hockey analogy, he gives me John Tortorella vibes in the way he kind of wants his team to play. And Torts is an asshole. And Torts is an asshole. Um, but I think Torts is a good hockey coach, though. Oh, for sure. But, you know, his style wears on his players. And, I, and, and you know, Tuchel is kind of close to that, in my opinion. I'm not as good at a soccer coach as Torts is a hockey coach, in my opinion. But I think he is a good coach who will get results, who can, uh, but whose style kind of wears on the players. Now, can his results lead to 
of winning league titles other than winning league titles at PSG, which you and I could win league titles as PSG as co-managers or, or individual managers. I mean, a, a baby could be the manager of PSG and win titles. I don't know that. I think, I think Chelsea have a good chance of getting in the top four. I think they've got a lot of momentum. I think bringing in a German to get the best out of German players kind of makes sense. Yeah. But Tuchel hates Pulisic. Because Thomas Tuchel hates Americans. So, so before, we go down that, before we go down that road, I, I want to, you know, they have had a lot of momentum, you know, a lot of good results. We mentioned they've only dropped, they've, they've won every game except for two for draws. Can I read you the list of wins since Tuchel took over? Yes. Uh, only one, oh, okay. Two Tuchel wins. One at home against Burnley. And one at home against Newcastle. Then everything else was a one a one goal win uh, at Sheffield, at Tottenham, and at and, and at Barnsley. Those in the league. Uh, I'll I'll touch on the well, Atletico Madrid win. Barnsley as well. was not in the league. Barnsley was oh, in shit. the FA Cup. FA Cup. Sorry, <laughs> you, we're not just adding teams to the league. I mean, fuck it. Barnsley is almost getting relegated into the League One. I just I put them in the wrong wrong tier. All that to say, I mean, those are all domestic domestic games, and then I'll talk touch on the Atletico Madrid win in, in a minute. But I honestly, I before getting to the Southampton and, and Man United results, but all those wins, I wholeheartedly believe Frank Lampard managed Chelsea get those wins as well. But was he getting those wins if we pull up the early fixtures of Chelsea with Frank yeah. Lampard? So, so let me let me just kind of run you through the string of results that led to Lampard's sack. Okay. Yeah, fair. So Lampard, we know, got sacked after a zero-zero draw with Wolves, which came on the tails of a two-nothing loss to Leicester. It really seemed like the Leicester loss was was the nail in the coffin, and I think it just took them, you know, they played Wolves while Roman Abramovich was trying to sort out Tuchel and everything. Uh, so those were some not not great results. But before those, Chelsea beat Fulham by one, uh, lost to Man City by two, which, like, let's be honest, that's not a horrible thing. They drew Villa, they lost to Arsenal, they beat West Ham by three. So, like, those, that competition is much more difficult than the, the ones I listed out for you, right? I think Arsenal, West Ham, Villa, Man City, uh, Leicester, and Wolves, are that, that's that's the top half of the table compared to the bottom half of the table that Tuchel's games come against. Okay. So I, I, I truly believe just the talent that Chelsea has is better than Burnley, Barnsley, you know, Whoever else who they, was in that that grouping, I think what's actually really telling is the one-one draw to Southampton. Southampton, who have been a downward spiral, I think have only won one game since they beat Liverpool and uh, went top of the table, and have lost like seven or eight and drawn the rest. That to me is telling that this team is just going down a fucking dumpster fire, and Chelsea are surging with all these great results. And, and can't beat Southampton. Uh, they do get a win at Atletico, which wasn't really at Atletico, right? Didn't wasn't it played like a, a neutral location or something because yes. of COVID? 
travel restrictions. So not a true home game for Atletico, uh, but also you talked about, you know, he is a good manager in the sense that he's better than the average manager. I, I do wholeheartedly believe that, but I think his tactics oftentimes are batshit crazy and make no sense. Um, they dominated possession against Atletico, like 70% or something like that. But except for a wild fucking overhead bicycle kick because that, that was onside because Mason Mount was too slow to kick the ball first, like, they did not have opportunity. <laughs> because and Mason Mount was too slow. Sorry. Mason Mount, that Drew was, was offside. That was funny. Drew was offsides. Mason Mount tried to play on the ball, couldn't get to it fast enough, and a defender hit it basically towards Giroux, making him now onsides. And he hit a beauty of a goal. I don't want to take anything away from Giroud. But without Giroud's wonder strike, that's a 0-0 draw. No fucking question. So, I like, it, yeah, managers, it's all about results. And they get results. But I, I'm I'm not a Chelsea fan, and I am a Pulisic fan, so I'm biased, and I've always disliked Tuchel. But I don't know how someone could, you could watch this team and be like, these results make me feel good. Yeah, they're going to challenge the top four. They so, are. can I add a little bit to your statistics that you went through? If you went back two games further, you would have added a loss by Chelsea to Wolves, 2-1, and a loss okay. by, Chel- by uh, Chelsea to Everton, which means in Frank Lampard's last nine games, Chelsea had two wins, two draws, five losses. Now, I agree I agree that you're ma- you still make a good point. I think the Everton's Wolves, they're still good teams, so your quality of competition point isn't off, but... Uh, managers don't go two, two, and five over nine games, and I think the issue is, you know, kind of the, and maybe this is a case of maybe Lampard got fucked by the fixture list. Maybe those games being the way they were kind of screwed him over, and that's a point that I can, I can concede a little bit because that's a that's tough it. nine don't, game span. Don't don't concede that point because I, that's actually not the point I'm trying to get you to concede on. <laughs> the I'm point. Just, I, I, I well, I could concede the point, but you know, we'll see what he does against better teams. Because you're right, he's only played two and a half. I'll give Southampton as a half decent team. Well, I'll call yep. United a half decent team. He's only played two decent teams. <laughs> um, so, oh no, 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 he hasn't played. Um, that neither neither team, Chelsea or United, played against the other team. Like there was, there was no, there was no competition there. That but, okay, was just so, like. Let's hear, let's hear some of his next couple of games. He's got Liverpool coming up, Everton, Leeds, West Brom, who they tied 3-3. But then things get a little easier. Crystal Palace, Brighton. Yep. Then Weston Fulham. Then a tough end to the season with Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester, Villa. Oh, my God. That so, that could take them out of the top four, those four games. Can we, can, we, can we circle back to you were willing to concede a little bit, but that wasn't my point? My point wasn't that Lampard got screwed. My point is that Tuchel's start, while the the points have been nice, has not been like a great, incredible uh, start on, on a actual like, passing the eye test. They have not looked that great. Fair and enough. I don't, Fair and, enough. And so my point is that I, unless they can imp- continuously improve from where they are now, I think they are going to have problems. I think they will compete for top four. I currently don't think they will finish in it. And if they do, if this is indicative of how they play next year, they will go out on the group stage. 
uh, l- let's see what these next three. Let's see what happens on our next by the next time we pod. Because by the time ne- next time we pod, they'll they'll play Liverpool, Everton, Leeds. I mean, if they get five out of those nine points, okay, you know that's that might be decent. If they get nine for nine, that's incredible. Seven for nine. Yeah. If they get three for nine or worse, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I I think you know he could. I, I you're saying a lot of things that I that I would say are probably correct. Uh, I just, you just never know how someone's going to take off, man. I mean, did, did any of us really think five years ago that Jurgen Klopp was going to be what he is at Liverpool? And sure. you, you just, you never or, know. Or, or, or a more recent example, did any of us think that, that during the restart, Christian Pulisic would be the best player in the Premier League? No, especially not Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, he, uh, he hates Pulisic, but, um, all right. I think we can leave the Premier League behind. And wow, the, any Chelsea fans of the podcast got the rare treat of us doing an in-depth review on a team that's not Milan or Manchester United. <laughs> it's the most I've ever talked about Chelsea in my life. <laughs> Syria, baby. All right. So I, part of the reason why I put Big Rom as my hot guy of the week was so that I wouldn't have to spend as much time talking about the Milan derby uh, in the Syria uh, uh, section here. As we covered, uh, Inter dominated the derby i mean a three nothing shutout it it is what it is good news is they split the uh the competition you know first half of the season milan won it second half inter won it so kind of love the playing field there but inter just seemed to be a unstoppable force right now uh you know i think you know last month of of 2020 milan had like a seven point lead it's Shrunk, shrunk. It was been a one point lead. Inter has taken over. They now have a four point lead over Milan. Um, I'd say commanding grasp. Uh, um, it's not over, but if if anybody's betting on anything other than Inter to win the title, I think that's a silly investment. I really do. Milan have had a string of some disappointing performances. So. Two nothing lost to Spezia, and if you aren't me, you're probably asking who the fuck is Spezia. <laughs> Sounds like a really it, gross pizza. Yeah, um, pizza. or like a, it's a really like like, like kind of uh, niche flavor of cheese, be my guess. Mm. Uh, three nothing shellacking by Inter, and then we had our round of thirty two tie in the Europa League against Red Star Belgrade, and let me tell you what happened in this tie, Milan. Drew the first leg 1-0, or 1-1, I mean, and then drew the second leg 2 no, no, sorry, drew the first leg 2-2, second leg 1-1, and in both legs played a majority of the game with a one-man advantage. Red Star Belgrade got red-carded in both games for a significant period of time, and Milan was not able to win, and actually, in the first leg that they drew 2-2, gave up a last-minute equalizer. Uh, I mean, this shit is incredible. I believe the three goals scored during Red Star Belgrade uh, for Milan were two penalties and one own goal. So we are really struggling to to score. Um, our, we recently kind of broke up our, our slump with a solid win, 2-1 win against Roma. Uh, the first goal... The very goal fun hit, game, by the way. Yeah, it, I mean... If you're a neutral, very, if you're a neutral, that was a fun game to watch, and... Yes, I, as, sure. a, as a, like, you know, through our friendship with you, a Milan fan, um, I, I thought that that was a fun yeah. game to watch. Oh, 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 no, of course. I mean, it was 0-0 zero, zero 
in you know twenty minutes in, and it could have been two one, two two. The game probably should have ended like four three, three three, something around there. I do think Milan were the better team uh, throughout the, the full ninety minutes of the game, but the 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 first goal scored was a was a penalty uh, taken by Frank Kessi, which was. Great to see Zlatan give that penalty up to Frank. Uh, and it wasn't until the second half, the second go-ahead goal uh, by Ante Rebic, that Milan finally got a like from-play goal that wasn't an own goal. So Great so, turn by Rebic, by the way. Fantastic turn. Holy hell. So all this to say is I'm, I'm hoping this this Roma win, which Roma were in like third or fourth uh, at, at the time and catching up on, on Milan in second, could springboard us to kind of refining finding that form again. Uh, unfortunately, Rebic got hurt. Ibrahimovic got hurt. Uh, Ismail Benacer, who's that double pivot with Frank Kessie, has been out for ages. So it's just it's hard to see the, the, the positives, but we're only four points behind enter and we are six points ahead of Juve uh so looking at Juve Weston McKinney not this weekend but the weekend before bagged another goal I think uh, in a game where Ronaldo got a brace and McKinney got got one as well and Juve are just in an interesting place so they are seven ten points off of first I think six points off of second with a game in hand on both that game in hand is against Napoli uh, who just beat them in the reverse fixture after the first one got you know just, just delayed and suspended and all that all that bullshit. So Pirlo, so like I said, Ronaldo scored two, McKinney scored one. Not this weekend, but last weekend. This weekend against uh, Hellas Verona, who's like ninth or tenth in the league, they just drew one one. Uh, kind of what Juve's been doing. They get hot, they get warm, and then they stall out against a team that's like a surprise. That's who you drop points to. So, uh, Pirlo recently said winning the league is uh, is still their domestic objective, and I'm just wondering, like, what are your thoughts, Donnie? Does that seem realistic in the, at this point in time? I think that ten points to cover when you pl- I think they have a game against each of the teams ahead of them, and a game in hand as well. On top and of that. a game in hand, so let's call it seven points. It's doable. I think you, you need you need help. You, you, you need Milan. You need Inter and Milan to have hiccups. And I think that's not it's not crazy to me to think that they'll they'll draw the one. The hiccups will come with Milan for sure. And I even think they'll come with Inter. Inter will draw a game they're not supposed to draw. That's two points there. They may draw. You know that could happen two three times. In our in our soccer group, me I kind of brought up the idea that like. Juve's squad seems really impressive with these big names. And then when you kind of start breaking it down, it kind of didn't impress me. And now everyone in the group me disagreed with me. Fair enough. But here's what I mean is that when I watch them play, outside of Cristiano Ronaldo, who leads the league in goals and he'll get his, and Weston McKenney, who just dominates the midfield, I see a lot of names of guys including Ronaldo in a tech, in a very technical sense. Now, him being past his prime just means something completely different. But there's yeah. a lot of big names that are not what they once were. I think Benucci, Cialini, Buffon. These guys are not the players they were five Buffon's years back ago. Buffon's backup. He's more of a leadership kind of talent. I get that. I get that. But some of these guys aren't who they were five years ago. 
you look at who they play at fullback, instead of having a fullback, they've converted a winger in Juan Cuadrado, aka Spooky Cuadrado, into a right back. I'm not saying he, ha- or slash wingback, I'm not saying he hasn't done a good job, because I actually think he's surprisingly done a decent job. But a team like Juve should be able to get by, to my opinion, without converting a, a winger into a wingback slash fullback. And my point is that the squad just doesn't wow me, I guess, their players, the way that a team like Juve's squad should. I think <clears throat> some guys have gotten a little older. I think some guys haven't panned out like they hoped they would. The uh, young Dutch center back, for example. Delegate, exactly. And frankly, I've sa- I've said this about Juve last year. You got to get speed in the attack. I don't see the guys. I don't see them having the wingers who can just blaze down the wing and whip in balls because that's the I. If you optimize what Ronaldo gives you, he is now a, a striker. He and, and he is probably one of the best headers of the ball I have ever offensive headers of the ball I have seen. It's an open play. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, so I don't see the team being built in the right way to optimize the talent of some of the key focal points. And I think they're getting by because Weston McKinney is like literally having two guys in the midfield. He's everywhere. And, you know, Ronaldo will pop up and get goals. I just, I think the squad is just not, it. I think the squad seems good on paper, but it's not that good. I don't know if, if the wingers are the problem. I mean, I think Federico Chiesa has been their best signing. And I mean, the only argument would be Weston McKinney. And it's, it's, you could go either way. Uh, I think McKinney does a lot more of the gritty stuff and provides more, you know, things that you and I enjoy. But a lot of, I think, UVA fans would tell you that Federico Chiesa has actually been, you know, the, their, their big signing for them. Uh, so, the wings not not the problem. I, I think I you've include, got good, by the way, I include fullbacks in the wings as well. That, that's all part of the wing attack. I think you've got a good point on the defense that they're not as solid as as the um, Juventus defenses in the past. You know, under Allegri and really under Conte when he built built that machine. Uh, and a lot of that is Chiellini's old. Uh, Benucci has been dog shit since he left Juve for Milan. He was shit for Milan. He's not been that good. Uh, for Juve since. I think, yeah, delegate, delegate, whatever, however I pronounce it, I'm butchering it. I don't think it's, it's I think it's true really saying he hasn't panned out. I think it, it could he, take He just hasn't time. panned out yet. He hasn't panned out yet. Yes, yeah, correct. Uh, but I think you look at, you know, some of their signings and Dejan Kulaveski, who is one of, one of, was one of the most promising, you know, like attackers from a, a small team, Parma, last season. They nabbed him up, got Chiesa, got McKinney, uh, there's a lot to like there. Obviously, they still have the ball up. So, I, I mean, you ask me, hey, would I like having that depth on my roster? I would say yes. Yes, I for sure wanted Milan to sign McKinney. I've wanted Milan to sign Federico Chiesa for like three years. Like, they, they have a lot of pieces on the team that I have wanted before they went to this. And I, I, I still would like a lot of those players. So, I get your point. And when you compare them to the depth that Inter is now rolling around with, I agree. Inter has the most talented squad in Italy. Which is shocking considering they're like a Manchester United retirement community. <laughs> but I think Juve have the second most talented squad in Italy. I do. They're, they are so much deeper than Milan is. 
They are so much deeper than Melania's. I think dude, they have. Dude, when, I think Chiesa and McKenney are great points of young great players, but I think they have a lot of names that just are names. Aaron Ramsey, he's not what he was. He's just. Yeah, but, I I just think but, that they have a lot of names that are but, that are I just would, names. I would, I would love to be able to go to Aaron Ramsey as a backup when Isabel Benacer is out for five months. Sure, sure. I would take Adrian Rabio when Frank Kessie's hurt. Like, I, I would love that, or when he's suspended. We don't get that. It's just, fair enough. I, 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 then maybe it's just that... We, 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 yeah, we, maybe we, we it's the wrong it. set of names. Maybe it's the wrong set of names together. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe I, that's I, what I'm trying to I, get at. Maybe think, that's what think, I'm trying to get and, at. And you know, there's there's somebody who you and I are both very positive about as a player and everything he did, club and national level. That we we said we were going to reserve judgment when, we, when he was first appointed. That we haven't really talked about. Is it the wrong set of players, or is it the wrong managerial philosophy? Yeah, I mean, it could that could be on pure low. Could another manager know. get more? It's early in his managerial career, right? Yep. I mean, and it's early in the season in the sense in that we don't know what's going to happen at the end. You've been, they could, still, yeah, they're, they're still in it. They're, 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 they're for sure still in it. But I think if you know, obviously, I think if they if they get knocked out of the Champions League by, by Porto, Porto, then I think. You gotta look, you gotta look at pure low, and I think you gotta maybe think about rearranging what they have in a prettier configuration, because I don't think they've gotten the puzzle pieces to fit with each other quite right. And it might be sending out a guys like getting rid of guys like Rabio and Ramsey, who, like you said, other teams would love to have, but then bringing but bringing in another asset who may add a new dimension to the team. And I'll say this about the legit real quick. I'm not saying he won't pan out for Juve by any means. Yeah. He just hasn't yet. Look at John Stones. He hadn't panned out for, um, for, for City, uh, until, for City until this year. And honestly, he might be he might be worthy of being considered player of the season in the Premier League because he has because yeah. he does it on both ends. He scores too. And so and you know City were patient and you know you and I have talked about players being in the wrong team in the wrong circumstances managers. I just think. Everybody has such an expectation that you have to be good now. You have to be good now. Klopp didn't win the Premier League for five, six years. Didn't win it. trophies for Liverpool for many, many years. But, you know, they gave him yeah. time. And I think players and managers, I think the game doesn't give them enough time. No, I, I completely agree. I think that, that, that's, that's exactly the point. I, I'm not – I wasn't bringing this up to say, oh, Pirlo's done. He sucks. I'm no, I know you saying, are I know you aren't. It, it's a potential answer to what's going on here, but it's not that if that is the answer, we, we can't know what for at least a few years, I think, you know, two, three years at the earliest, um, which is a, which is a, a gamble if you're wrong. But I mean, I, I think the way that guy reads the game has always been so great that I, I don't think that's the case. Um, it's just interesting. Now I want, speaking of interesting and Juventus, and this is the longest we talked about Juventus, uh, in, in, in a podcast. Probably but, since Ronaldo went to Juventus. So, and speaking of interesting Juventus and Ronaldo, Antonio Cassano, who is just a godsend in terms of, like, 
content. Oh, he's the content king. He's the guy yeah. who, when we when we do um, aptitude tests, said if I wasn't a professional soccer player, I'd be a criminal. Yes. He also said that uh, he had a stint at Real Madrid that didn't really work out well. Have you heard about the story, Donnie? I, I, I know of the story, but remind me the details. So I don't know if it's actually Nutella or if it's a Nutella-like brand, like a hazelnut, you know, hazelnut spread brand, that they had a like sponsorship deal with Real Madrid. So in the team facilities, there were always jars and jars and jars of Nutella, and he was just constantly eating just Nutella straight out of the jar. And he said he gained like ten or fifteen pounds of like just like hazelnut spread in his first year at Real Madrid, and that's why the the his, spell there we didn't really work out <laughs> that's hilarious so th- that's unrelated to why i'm talking about him here um he just recently said that and this is interesting because something that i've always said about um pep right if pep was brought in to city to win the champions league if he doesn't win the champions league with city his stint at city will not have been a success in terms of the objectives he was brought in for Casano says Juve signed Ronaldo to help him win the Champions League, but since he joined, they have done worse in the competition. It was a mistake to sign him, is what Casano is saying. Now, I, I don't necessarily agree. You know, he's, you know, he's been in competition for the leading scorer every single season that he's been at, at Juve. He's helped them win domestic championships, but he is right that they didn't sign. Ronaldo to win Serie A. They signed him to go from losing the Champions League final to winning it, and they haven't been back since. Yes. I think... It's not an indictment of Ronaldo. and I think Cassano how, is. How, how, how could it be an indictment of Ronaldo when up until their game against Porto, he had scored every knockout round goal for them in the, in the Champions League since he's been there? I mean... At a certain yeah. point, if your defense, if your goalie is just passing it to the opposing player like Chesney did, like it, <laughs> they, they, there are some freakish mistakes that their defenses have made in the Champions League. But I agree that Ronaldo's time at Juventus will not be a success unless he wins the Champions League. That's what he was brought yeah. there to do. That's not necessarily means it's Ronaldo's fault that they won't, they don't win the Champions League. But that is what what the optics will do, and that's that's fair. I think this kind of goes back to what I've always said about it is that I don't think Juventus has ever figured out how to maximize. Like, the, the, why Real Madrid was so successful is they built an entire team around, like, okay, you have this player, and so what are the pieces we can add to strengthen it and strengthen it and strengthen it and strengthen it? And they built the team from the top around that one player. And, you know, it took them years. They had Ronaldo for years and years and years before they won the Champions League. It took them years and years and a lot I mean, of spending, but eventually they got that team that just crunched out, like, Champions League. It was unreal. And that's also how Portugal kind of set themselves up when they won the Euro. Like that, that wasn't that wasn't the most perfectly t- like, like it wasn't the most talented player in every position. It was the players that worked best together and more importantly worked best with Ronaldo. And you could argue that's where like Argentina have faltered with Messi. They've they've never always been the best collective group. They also never wanted to start Sergio Aguero, but this isn't... I was going to say, to be fair, they've had, like, the players' contemporaries of Messi in the last 12 years, in terms of attack, would include a prime Carlos Tevez, a prime Gonzalo Higuain, a prime Angel Di Maria, a prime Sergio Aguero, so it's like, eh, they've had some, they've had some attacking options. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that's, that's just kind of, I, I don't know what to make of it. I think, I think it is that same lens of how we view Pep with City in the Champions League. That's how. Now, I'll say there's a difference. A manager having can have more impact on a team than a player. Yeah, a manager can, can authorize spending $500 million on defense. R- Ronaldo can't choose to, like, piece by piece bring his Real. He tried with Marcelo, but he can't piece by piece bring his Real Madrid I think he team with tried him. with Benzema, too. <laughs> well, I mean, we all want Benzema. I've wanted Benzema on Man U since he played for Lyon. <laughs> and that's right, I all said right. Lyon. So do you have uh, anything to add to Italy, or should we jump to Germany real quick? I mean, I think we've kind of dissected Italy pretty well there, and I think we can... Briefly jump to Germany. My big thing in Germany is uh, our boy, the Red Baron, Josh Sargent of uh, Werder Bremen, scored the game winner uh, two days ago, yesterday. Their most recent game. Uh, actually, it was a win against Eintracht Frankfurt, who are fourth in the table. And this put Werder, with a game in hand, six points like out of the relegation zone. So I think that's enough points at this stage, knowing that they'll get some draws and some wins before the end of the season. They should be safely, you know, in the Bundesliga next season. It's just really good to see Sargent uh, not just score a goal, but score a meaningful goal. Um, and you know, his his coach Florian, I think it's that's Florian Kofel, has always said really good things about Sargent, and it's just good to see some some the ball hitting the net with, for that. Yeah. Also, Bayern. You know what? A couple weeks ago, we were boring Liga in effect. Uh, checking the table, they are only two points ahead of RB Leipzig. And doesn't matter to me. They could be two <laughs> points behind RB Leipzig. I'm not falling for it. I'm not boring Liga still. I until another team wins the Bundesliga, it's the boring Liga. I am done. I am not falling. I, I now the there are there exciting top four storylines. Are there other things in the Bundesliga I'm paying attention to? Absolutely. But in terms of a title race. I refuse to ever get sucked back into the boring Liga until another team lifts that shield. Donnie, but until I, then, I don't give a shit. I, I want to be with you, but I'm such a sucker. Like, every time I'm ready to just check out on the boring Liga, Byron fuck around and, and make me keep an eye on it. So they just had a 5-1 wrecking of, of Cologne. I think it's Cologne. I, I can never pronounce it. Cologne. It's but, where Leon Dreisaitl's from. Oh, okay. Um, but <laughs> that's two hockey references. Yeah, today. wow. Uh, but um, that kind of covers up their last two performances before that, where they lost two one to Frankfurt, who just lost to Bremen, and then they had a three three like last minute salvaging draw with within the relegation battle, Armenia Bellefield. Eric. It doesn't matter. Like, you could have asked me how much is Bayern ahead of the table, and I would have been, like, eight points before you know. And now I know it's two. And you know what? You could tell me that they're two behind, and it doesn't Donnie, matter. At I the end of the, the day, they're going to win. I, I went into to just checking the table, putting this outline together, thinking it was, like, a six-point lead. It's two. It's two. And you know what, bud? By the, I promise you, by the next time we pod, Leipzig will fuck up, and it'll be, like, seven. You did mention though that you're that there are some you know like top four battles you're interested in. You got any any deeds for us? Well, I think I'm really interested. The biggest one, I think Leipzig are going to get in the top four for sure, which is for, good yeah, for our for boy sure. Tyler Adams. And he has he did play he did play the full ninety in their last game, I believe. But that was good to see him in the starting lineup. And yeah, you know, we were worried about him a little bit, and now surprisingly, the main concern is 
Christian Pulisic, so it's a, it's a it's a wild story for the U.S. men's national team. But I really want to see what Dortmund do because I feel like on paper they have the second most talented squad in the Bundesliga. Another superstar American in Gio Reyna, or Erlen Holland, who's it might be like the you know if Mbappe is to Messi, Holland may be the Ronaldo. They might be yeah. the two winning Ballon d'Ors for ten years. I mean, they're both. So, so good. Neither of them are going to stay at their, their clubs are at well, 2023. And if uh, if Dortmund missed out on Champions League, Holland's probably gone this year. If Holland goes to City, I think the Premier League is um, might, might be the boring Premier League. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Dortmund are, are in fifth right now. And I think last time we potted, they were they were actually like in fifth or sixth and even further back of the pack. They're just three points back of fourth right now. Um, they've they've had the, the, their most recent league games were against like bottom feeders, like bottom four teams. But just had a strong uh, showing by Holland in the the Champions League via winning three two away. Looks like I think honestly four teams maybe pushing for the last two spots in the in the Bundesliga with uh, uh, Wolfsburg and, and Eintracht Frankfurt in third and fourth, and then Dortmund and Leverkusen. And there's about, I think, two points separating like each team in, in that structure. So Leverkusen, they have a chance, but it's not looking great. But there's still a lot of games we played, and, and I think if Dortmund can get hot, they can easily secure fourth or maybe third. So you know who the last uh, team was that won the Bundesliga that wasn't named Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund? Uh, Werder Bremen. It was Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, damn it. I don't think... 2008-2009 season. It was the only time in their history they ever won. That was the last time I cared about the Bundesliga. <laughs> in terms of who was going to win the title. Dude, I know, I, I know that's not true. Because I know, you, I know you, you, you believed with me, what was it, last year? Two years ago or last year? when uh, Two years ago. When Dortmund uh, shat the bed with that... Oh, an all-time cuck of the year performance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that's that when was you last. Bad. That's when you last cared. And you know what? And that was a mistake because even like eleven points or whatever the fuck it was in February, that wasn't enough. Um, briefly, briefly going into league uh, and La Liga, PSG is now just two points behind Lille, who have Timothy Way. By the way, a resurgent Timothy Way. PSG will they'll win. They'll win. But also. So they're, they're just two points behind Lille, but they're only one point ahead of Lyon. Lyon. And only two points ahead of Monaco. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... It's, it's a title race. They'll win it. They'll win it, but, I mean, it's tight. For Speaking now. of what got tight, what we thought was going to be Atletico Madrid running away with it has now turned into a title race. Atletico Madrid is five points ahead of Barca and Real, who are both tied at 53 points. Atletico does have a game in hand, but huge Madrid derby this weekend. Yeah. And neither of the Madrid teams are playing super well. And honestly, Madrid just drew 1-1 today. Like, we, we thought Atletico was running away with it, and if there was a challenger, it'd be Real. It kind of looks like the challenger's going to be Barca. Completely now. agree. I think part of that is when you when I looked up the uh, the money line, like the odds were for Real, and there was good odds, and I put some money on it, we pretty much mushed them. <laughs> so if you're a Real, Real fan, that's kind of my bad. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting to follow up. Um, I'll, hopefully I can watch the Madrid Derby without having to get 75 viruses on my computer, but I don't know. 
Man, I just wish just uh, just for the big La Liga games in Celta Vigo, there would be a way to watch like ESPN Plus or something. Just I mean, like something. Make... I'll, I'll I'll take I'll take Paramount All Access or whatever the <laughs> fuck. Goddamn! Put it on Discovery Plus. <laughs> All right, now we'll just close off with a very brief Champions League recap, so I can go to sleep. I think. Liverpool, Leipzig, Liverpool 2, Leipzig 0. I think that kind of went as we kind of expected it to go. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, Liverpool, they're in a slump, but they're the better team. Uh, That's two away goals. That's going to be hard for Leipzig to overcome. Uh, That being said, Leipzig, to score goals, those will be away goals now. Like, like, so, if if Leipzig were down one, I think they'd have a shot, but I'm, I'm not... I'm not feeling good about their chances. Now that we talked about this PSG Barcelona game, but I mean a four-one absolute clattering four away goals for PSG. Now we've seen Barcelona have an epic comeback against PSG before. I just don't think that this PS this Barcelona team with Ronald Koeman at the helm, how he still is at the helm, is beyond me. It's amazing. If he wins this title, it's not because of what anything he did. It's because the Madrid teams just like imploded. Yeah, they shot the bed. Um, I mean, I've been really negative about Tuchel. I'd rather have Tuchel manage my team than Ronald Koeman. <laughs> okay, Tuchel an above average manager. Ronald Koeman perhaps a below average manager. <laughs> I really think so. Uh, but yeah, PSG I think are just going to squeeze that out in Paris, and they're going to go through. And you know this, I, I don't okay. So as someone who has no skin in the game, I think if I was a total neutral and disassociating myself, I think as a new total neutral, not caring about these teams and not supporting any of these teams' rivals, a PSG Man City or a PSG Juve or Juve Man City, a final of two teams who have never won it could be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, just throwing that out there. Sevilla Dortmund, what a game. I mean incredible uh back and forth spice levels were through the roof uh two three goals in abundance Dortmund three away goals and the one goal lead it's I mean I I think this tie could go either way honestly I think it's tight yeah I think it's tight because Sevilla you never know with them they can I think they can surprise you and I think Erlen Holland had a goal or two in this one and this just kind of goes back to what we were talking about with kind of Holland and Mbappe yeah, Mbappe kicked it off with a hat trick, and then I think the next day Holland uh, fought up the brace. And he even said that Mbappe was like he like got his competitive juices flowing, and I love that. Yeah, that, that that's that's fun. That's fun. Um, Porto Juve, the opening goal for Porto. <laughs> My God, just Juve yeah. just calamity at the back. Porto pounce on it, and Porto are up one zero with like within five minutes. Um. Yeah, no, I, I think great result for Porto, especially given that second goal, critical. I really see this as a Juve uh, are going to win one nothing in advance. On away goals. goals. I think that one that one away goal is going to be huge. I completely agree. Um, yeah. Atletico Madrid-Chelsea. This was a... News fest. Just I mean. not a great game. Incredible goal yeah. by um, Giroud. But Atletico Madrid were just so bad. I think you you made a really good point um, that 
Joe Felix and you know his his skill set fitting in with uh, Diego Simeone. Yeah, I think that I think the problem is Simeone is so defensive. His offense relies his offense. Look at his offense with Griezmann relies so much on quick pace. Yeah. Joe Felix isn't a slow guy, but speed isn't his attribute. It's his his ability to pick a pass. It's his footwork. It's his those are his skill set. And I think in a I mean, I think if you put Jao Felix in a, in a Man City, in a possession-dominant team, in a more offensive-oriented team, I think Jao Felix's stats would be gaudy almost. I just think yeah. that this isn't the right match. Jao Felix is not the kind of player that can, you know, be maximized in such a def- heavily defensive Simeone well, and, system. And, and having only having, like, 30% or less of possession, like... That you're wasting Joao Felix's talent and his ability because, like you said, it's him on the ball creating stuff. Exactly. And, and there were flashes. There are moments where, in the transition, in the counter, you can see what he's capable of. But you, if you're for that creative, it's it's kind of like you you know you need to have a lot of attempts because a lot of things are not going to work out every single time. So you just need you need higher numbers. Now, interesting thing here: you got Luis Suarez going back to play to to London where he used to tear it up when he was in the Premier League, you know, all the different playing against all the London teams. Uh, I think Luis Suarez definitely scores in the, uh, the second leg. I still think, uh, Atletico advance, even though they're down one, you know, this, this is, this is a tie that I could see goes into extra time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I think Diego Simeone is a better manager than Tuchel. And I, I agree I, with that statement, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I think I'm gonna ride Tuchel on this one. I think he's good gonna. Luck. I think he's good gonna luck. be able to get a draw. I think good luck. I think he's gonna be able to just get a draw because that's what that's what he does against the better teams. He just. And I mean, that's draw. that's really that's really what he did against uh, Atletico. He just got bailed out by Giroud. Yeah, who bailed out the the, the slow Mason Mount you alluded to earlier. I mean, if Mason Mount touches that ball, he's offside. It's, it's, it's wild. It's you're, wild. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Lastly, Man City, Gladbach. Gladbach puts up a good fight and a good defensive effort. Man City just breaks them down, gets the 2-0 yeah. win, gets the two away goals. They'll probably win 2-0, 3-1, 1-0 at home, maybe even draw 0-0 because they don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, very exciting. But I think the European matchup everyone's really going to care about is Two two very historical teams, two teams with a lot of history. Unlike Chelsea, who fun didn't have any history until two thousand fucking four. But two um, very two very historical European dominant teams who uh, wear wear the red as their primary and represent the represent their city with an M. And they're both red and black as their team colors. Oh yeah, yeah. So and also they're actually both referred to as like Red Devils. So it's two teams with a lot of similarities. Two teams who had have had great contests in the Champions League against each other. The two teams of this podcast, and I'll say this: if I got to get knocked out of the Europa League, I would rather it be by Milan than any other team. Yeah, I just I, I wish this comp- this battle was coming further down in the competition. Yeah, right? I wish this more- was like a semifinal or a final. It, it's pretty. It's both teams got shafted by playing, in my opinion, the best <laughs> other team in the competition. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like it's this is easily the hardest draw for it, it, any team, and so of course this 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 is the way it is, right? 
And I just can't wait for that controversial call or moment that destroys a ten-year a ten-year friendship in this podcast. No, what's going to be great is is when you guys win off of that controversial call. But the biggest, longest-lasting impact is as a result of the of his performance. You guys buy like Donnarumma or something, and just like as long as we as long as we don't buy Romagnoli, you cannot end this podcast. Well, good luck. Good luck. Good luck for you. His performances have been in the dip this season, so I don't think you're gonna want Please follow us on Twitter at OwnGoalPod. The Twitter has been very quiet recently. I'll uh, I'll get someone on that soon to get it going again. Um, you know, email, email us at OwnGoalPod at gmail dot com. I something I probably should have checked before this episode, which I did not. Um, but yes, do email us because eventually I'll check it. And, you know, got an Instagram, at OwnGoalPod, follow us there, share us with a friend, grow the brand, grow the pod, and... And for, for those thinking of checking out the, you know, I don't think we'll pod probably one more time before that game happens, but the, we may, we may not, I don't know, the Milan-United game. We may, pro- um, we'll probably have an in-betweener pod after the first leg, as well. I, I, was I think we should, I think we should have um, our next pod be the, the night of the result of, of the first game. So next Thursday? Yeah. The night of... Oh, you want it fresh and raw. Maybe, maybe Friday. Maybe Friday so I can... Oh, uh, Friday can, night's perfect because I don't do anything else. So. So, I can get a, so I can get a little hammered and not think about it. <laughs> You're laying on the reverse karma very quickly, my friend. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Have a great day, everyone. Have a great week and bye. bye. <laughs> I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be But none of me would be the enemy and destroy our destiny Our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Shall wounds always bend? Oh no, I'm on camp here tonight. And I'll win your love, love, love if you're ready for war. I'll run the sun, 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 just surrender your core. I'll give you bombs of my love, but I don't wanna explode. So follow me, follow me. I'll show you home. I'll give you bombs of my love, but I don't want to explode. So follow me, follow me, and I'll show you Crush my spirit, oh yeah, right down to the bone. Until the day I realize my courage is all I ever know. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Shallow wounds always bend, oh no. I won't camp here tonight. And I'll win your love, 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 if you're ready for war. I'll run the sun.